Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are our victory. We stand here before you and before all the powers of darkness, darkness as more than conquerors. Hallelujah. We, we, we are not trying to conquer. We're not waging a war. We are claiming what has been won. It is ours in Christ Jesus. So this morning, we just celebrate you. We thank you for Holy Spirit given to us by Jesus Christ to indwell his body in the earth so that we have a direct line to heaven, that we have all the resources of heaven available to us so that we can be reminded through his still small voice his leading, his teaching, his guiding of who we are in Christ Jesus. And we rest in your perfect peace and presence this morning. In the grace of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're in a series, and all my series seem to be long, right? We're, we're in week seven. <laughs> week seven of our series, No Longer. We're trying to find victory in the spirit-filled life right? Our spirit-led life. And uh, last week, we, we seen that sanctification is not some long, drawn-out process. And sanctification is just a uh, religious term for cleaning ourselves up, making ourselves look like Jesus, um, walking out the image of Jesus, of, G, uh, of Jesus Christ in the earth, right? Living out who we are in this earth, who we are in Christ Jesus in this earth. And one of the things that uh, I was just reminded is that uh, you have an opportunity to be a social media evangelist this morning. If you would like and share this, uh, this message, you, you don't know who you could touch this morning by, by sharing this message right now. Someone might need to hear this word right now. So we just ask that uh, you would take two seconds, and hit the share button. Amen? Amen. But uh, sanctification is not this long, drawn-out ordeal. That's good news. That's really, really good news. It's not self-sacrifice, and it's not grueling discipline. Man, I just took all the fun out of your Christianity, didn't I? I mean, if, if it's not about me, then who's it about? If it's not about me doing all this stuff and making myself good enough, if, I'm not, if it's not about me, then who is it about? Well, it's about Jesus. Um, and the truth of this, this truth is so simple. It's, it's just so simple. It's, it's so easy that uh, you can miss the truth of this, and many people do. Um, it's, it's so good. It's, this truth is so good, it's almost too good to be true. Sanctification is as simple as being born again. And how were you born again? You simply took your eyes off from self and you focused them on Jesus. And you were born again. Right? You had no strength in yourself to save yourself, to, to, to resurrect your dead spirit. Right? But you looked to the author and the perfecter of our faith, the one that does. All you had to do is set your mind on things above, on what is true in the spirit, 
And in doing so, you put to death the works of the flesh, and the law of the spirit of life was able to flow into your whole, whole being. And that's the same thing. The way that we're saved is the way that we live. By keeping our eyes on Jesus and setting our minds on things above. We also learn that being dead to sin has nothing with trying to conquer it. So many Christians are trying to conquer sin in their life. And they constantly have their eyes on their sin problem. And you can't, if your eyes are on something, is sin alive or dead when your eyes are on something? It's alive. We, si- we simply need to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. We, that we no longer give it any thought in our minds, but we set our minds on the kingdom. Man-made religion tries to get you to overcome sin. This only causes you to think about sin, the sin that you're trying to overcome. And you can't be dead to something that you have your mind set on, right? See, we sanctification is so simple, but we've made it so, so difficult. Everything that you find in the gospel is simple. Why? Because it's not by you, it's by Christ. And up to this point, we've, we've been looking at this message on an individual basis, But is this gospel, is the gospel just an individual message? You know, the Bible is very individual, right? The good shepherd leads the 99 and goes finds the one, right? You are many members, members individually in the body of Christ. The Bible teaches individualism. But then those individuals as they are perfected in Christ, come together and make a great, better whole. You understand that? If if, if you have a heart issue, or you have a kidney issue, or you have a thyroid issue, or whatever issue, gallstone, gizzard, chickens have gizzards, got a gizzard issue, what it affects the whole body. So the, the, the better we are as individuals in this earth, as the better that we are as individuals in the church, the better the body, the whole is. Do you understand that? This message is not just an individual message. This message is not just about personal transformation. Even though it, 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 it applies to us personally. It first has to be applied to us personally before it can apply to the whole. Right? The yeast needs to get in the dough to make the whole dough infected. You understand this? This is, this is important. Because we're talking about kingdom here. We're talking about the gospel. We're talking about vic- victorious living. We're talking about what God planned from the foundations of the earth, that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that he reigns and is superior over all the earth. Hmm. This is not just an individual message. We, we have been shoved into a corner. Christians have been shoved into a corner by culture saying, you, 
your faith is a personal faith. I hear Christians say that, that it's my, it's my faith. It's a personal faith. Well, I'm here to tell you if your faith is just personal, only affecting you, you are not living out the gospel. And you are ineffective. You are not a good steward of what God has given you. It is not just an individual message. It is, we're not supposed to compartmentalize this message. It's supposed to go out and affect everything. This message is the answer to culture itself. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, this is my wife Amanda's favorite, favorite verse in the Bible. In verse 25 it says, And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were not ashamed. Adam and Eve had it good. I mean, they had it good. Then they chose to eat, eat themselves out of house and home. And things went downhill pretty quickly. Went downhill pretty quickly. They enjoyed a perfect environment with all they needed and more. Abundance. And they were naked. And had no shame. It was not until they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they knew that they were naked. Isn't that interesting? Even though they were naked in chapter 2 of Genesis, they did not realize they were naked into chapter 3. What changed? What changed? In chapter 2, they were spiritually minded. They were filled, they, they filtered their entire lives through the lens of God and what he said was true. What he said was right what he, and what he said was wrong. They were wholly focused on God. And their minds were fully set upon the spiritual realm. They had their minds set on the spiritual realm as they lived in a natural realm. But then they partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and became self-focused. They became self-focused. They flipped that switch. They flipped the switch off. And there was no longer the law of the spirit of life that was flowing into the earth, into them, into their very beings. It was the law of sin and death began to flow into their lives. See, that's the fruit of self-focus. That's the fruit of self-focus. Self-focus ruins everything. Makes us have to wear clothes. The fruit of self-focus is shame. And it's fear. If you struggle with shame and fear, you are self-focused. Now, there's going to be some things that I I could say, I'm going to say in this message that could be offensive. I I guess Pastor Tom was giving you a prelude. um, But just understand that when you're offended, something, it offends your mind to reveal your heart. And the reason why we say these things is not because I am trying to, trying to offend you. 
The truth offends. And when you're offended, that's when you know you don't have it. You don't have the truth. Listen, if you have shame in your life, if you have fear in your life, you are self-focused. And you are not God-focused. If you think you are not good enough, that God is displeased with you, that others are better than you, you are self-focused. You are a navel-gazer. If you are easily offended, then you are self-focused. This is good news. Because that means that it's an easy fix. All you got to do is look up. Just look up. There's so many people that think that they're a lesser Christian. I mean, there, there, there are people that think that, that we, shouldn't, we shouldn't preach the inclusivity of Christ and faith in Christ alone because it excludes people. <laughs> How self-focused can you possibly be? See, when Jesus, when Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom in the, in the earth, in the natural realm, we will return to a state of being completely God-focused again. We'll go back to how it was in Genesis chapter 2. But guess what? You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. You can have some heaven on earth right now. All you have to do is shift your focus off from self and start putting it onto the Lord. Because of Adam and Eve, humanity spends most of its time looking down. And the more a society consistently turns the switch from the on position of life and peace with our minds set on the things of the spirit to an off position of looking to self and the things of the flesh, that society is continually in a downward spiral. And this is exactly what Romans teaches us. Romans chapter 1 says this. In Romans chapter 1 verse 21 it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor God, honor Him as God, or give thanks to Him, but became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Because they deliberately chose to look away from God, the switch is turned off and their hearts become darkened. You see that? They, although you know God, although you know God, they knew God. They didn't honor Him. They didn't, they didn't think about Him. They didn't, they didn't put Him in His rightful place. Their minds became, their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts became darkened. We start darkening our hearts through the way that we think about God. In verse 22, claiming to be wise, does this sound like a society at all? Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for the images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. So they exchanged, 
They exchanged the glory of immortal God for images resembling mortal men. What did they do? They went from looking up to looking down. Do you see this? Verse 24, therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity. See, some, see this? God doesn't force us to do anything. God says, if you want to live that way, even though I love you, even though I know it's, it's going to destroy you in the end, that it's going to bring hardship, it's going to create the world that we're living in right now, I'm going to give you what you want. So God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. So they took and exchanged the truth of God for a lie. What is this? What is he talking about? We've been, up to this point, we've been talking about an individual, you, what you do. Now he's talking about cu culture, humanity as a whole. They stopped looking up. They exchanged the truth of God. They stopped being spiritually minded. They stopped at looking at things that are above. And they exchanged the truth for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. They started worshiping humanism and the wisdom of man, and the things of the natural earth rather than the one that created everything in this natural earth. In verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. See, it, 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 sin in itself is the wage of, of death. God doesn't have to judge you in sin. He judges you if you're in Christ or not. Sin itself is its penalty. 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So they've seen that it was not, it was not fit to acknowledge God. Do you see how Romans is, is just playing this whole thing out? That the whole world needs the gospel. That the, the reason why we live in this society that we live in, the reason why the world is in the condition that it is, is because we're choosing to live a lie that instead, instead of focusing on God in the spiritual realm and what is true, what he says is true, what he says is right. See, this is not new. A lot of people, just because we're going through social media, we got social media now, the internet, and all this stuff out there, we think that all these, these things that the church is facing, all these cultural um, um, decay that we're seeing and the breakdown of the family and the breakdown of, of just um, so, society is something that is new, and it's not new at all. 
In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9, the wisest man, besides Jesus that ever walked the earth, said this, history merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new. But actually, it's old. Nothing, nothing is truly new. It might be new to you, but it's not new. Technology may change, but humanity's issues and human behavior does not. You understand that? Ever since humans have walked the face of the earth, ever since Genesis chapter 3, the human heart, the human issues, human behavior has not changed one bit. There is nothing new in the problems that we face in our own hearts, and there's nothing new in the problems we face in civilization. Nor do the answers to the problems of human behavior change. They are the same today as they were in the past. So what, what is the problem? What causes the problem in our civilization, in, in, in this world? We move from a life focused on God to a natural world, creation. We do not retain God in our knowledge, in our thinking. We refuse to think on anything that is spiritual and spend all our time focusing on the natural and carnal things. Do you understand this? Isn't this what our culture is trying to jam down our throat? Isn't this what it's about by taking God out of school? You know, you hear Christians, even Christians, I'm getting, even Christians say, well, God, you can pray in school. Yeah, you can pray in school, but you don't understand. There was a time that the teachers led prayer in school. How many school shootings was back then? We refuse to think on anything spiritual. Everything is just natural. Everything, there is no future. You're, you're, just, you're just a pile of goo that climbed up out of the, the ocean. Well, how did the ocean get there? We don't know. Billions, billions and billions of years. Oh, that's how it got there. This is the issue that humanity is facing, and Jesus Christ is the answer. And the more that a culture does this, the more that individuals look downward, the more the law of sin and death in their flesh has control over them. They are handed over to the lusts of their flesh and they are enslaved. If this is what creates the downfall of humanity, what would the answer be to lift it back up? If, 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 if constantly looking only to the natural realm, constantly looking to the flesh, 
If that's what causes a downfall of a civilization, and you can go back in history and see that Solomon was right, that leads to the same thing over and over and over and over again. How dumb can you get and still breathe? What would be the answer to lifting it back up? It would be reversing our thinking. The Bible calls it, calls this reversal, repentance. Instead of focusing on self and the flesh, instead of being carnally minded, we put our focus back on God and glorify Him as God in our minds. In the family, we start focusing on God, that God is is Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's got to start there. In the schools, we start focusing on God as creator of all things and worthy to be honored. In our government, we see an acknowledgement of God Almighty the one that lifts up nations and tears them down. In business, we understand that God is our provider. He gives us the power to get wealth and that, and that we are giving possessions to steward and to expand his kingdom in, in the earth. In the media, where truth is proclaimed through a filtered through the through the knowledge of God Almighty. In the arts and entertainment where we celebrate God and who we are through the truth of creation and that, that beautiful poetic masterpiece that God is writing on our hearts. Look at how Ephesians talks about this downward fall. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. We are not to walk as Gentiles, those that don't have a relationship with God. That's what a Gentile is. If you have a relationship with God, you don't walk like people that don't, right? And this has to happen more and more in this country and throughout the world. They are darkened. Gentiles are darkened. Gentiles walk in the futility. What's that? Pointless. Uselessness. I mean, really, that's what, it's, it's pointless. Life is pointless. There's no meaning to life. We're here today, we're going to die, and then we're worm food. Isn't that what culture tries to teach us? It's pointless. It's futility of their minds. They are darkened. Their minds are darkened in their understanding. It's and what it's funny is that carnal people think that they're so enlightened. They try to make us feel like we're the ignorant ones. Oh, you, you're a Christian. 
You believe that stuff. I, 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 I trust science. You know what science told us years ago? It told us that the world was flat. And the Bible said, in Job, it's a sphere. And we, I could go on and on on that, but to say that there is no God makes you a fool. They think that they're so enlightened. They think they are so smart. They think they're so educated. And, and we got to start getting bold with this. When they, when they try to shut you up by making you feel small, just go right back at, at them in the spirit of the Lord and say, who do you think you are? I worship God Almighty, the creator of heavens and of earth. You would be nothing. You yourself are being held together by the power of his word. But the reality is that they're darkened. They're darkened in their understanding and are ignorant because they have alienated themselves from the life of God. Do you know why we feel small? Why we feel, well, I don't want to sound, sound uneducated. You want to know why? Because we're carnally minded and not spiritually minded. We don't believe this right here. We don't believe the word of God that those that walk contrary to what is true in, in Scripture, what is true in the heavens, what is true in the Spirit, that, that they don't set their minds on things that are above. We don't believe that they're really walking in pointless uselessness of their minds, that, that their minds are truly darkened and they've been alienated from the life of God. And, that they're, 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 and because of this, the ignorance that is in them We don't believe it, church. We got to start believing it. Don't shrink back. Don't shrink back from speaking the truth. Even if unbelievers and God haters try to make you feel small, you have all of history on your side. You have all of history on your side. Over and over again, you can see what happens when a culture starts down the path of alienating themselves from the life of God. It leads to their demise. Every prosperous country on the face of the earth, every country that gives freedom to its citizens has one thing in common. Do you know this? Have you ever thought about this? Every world power since Jesus Christ had one thing in common. They had a biblical worldview. All inventions, all scientific breakthroughs, all medical breakthroughs, had one, they, these countries had one thing in common. They had a biblical worldview and that's what laid their foundations. The gospel of Jesus Christ was proclaimed in those nations. Have you, I mean, come on, have you ever thought about it? What, what's, what, what is the difference? We have countries all over the world. We have some countries that have 
vast more resources than other countries. But one prospers and one doesn't. One has their people impoverished and doesn't give them freedom. And one does. What, what's the difference? It's the gospel. And the more that you take God away from a people, when we, the more that people take their eyes off from God, the creator of all things, the more and more freedoms, the more and more, um, the more and more prosperity starts to turn into poverty. You can see that over and over again. Gentiles are darkened in their own understanding because they alienated themselves from the life of God. They alienated themselves. God didn't alienate them. How did they alienate themselves from the life of God? They were alienated because of ignorance. And they're ignorant because of the hardness of their heart. Hardness of, a, of the heart is the root problem. The root problem in our society is hardness of heart. Can I get the worship team to come back up? How does, how does someone become hardened towards God? How, do, how does someone have a hard heart towards God? By refusing to think or focus on Him. Gentiles are completely focused on the natural realm. What you need to understand is what you focus on. What you focus on, your heart will soften to. You ever know, notice how you, you, you can fall into a sin, and at first you, you would never have done that sin. And then temptation, you, 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 you meditate on temptation for that sin. And then you temptation becomes sin. And you, and you do that sin. And all of a sudden, your mind starts focusing on that sin over and over and over again. And pretty soon, it's easier and easier to do that sin. Why? Because your heart has become softened to it. Before, it was hardened to it. Do you see this? Do you understand this? Do you understand this is, what, this is the answer for our culture? This is the answer for our nation. This is the answer for the world. Whatever you focus on, your heart will soften to. You young kids, you got, a, you got an awesome opportunity right now to harden your heart to things that are trying to rob, kill, and destroy in your life. And start softening your heart to the things of God. You know, if, if you're a Christian and, you, and you, you have a hard time hearing the voice of God, you need to ask yourself, Am I focusing on God? You know, my, I, my prayer life just doesn't seem like brother so-and-so's or sister so-and-so's. or It, it just seems like they, they talk about hearing, the, hearing God speaking to them. I've never heard God speak to me. What are you focusing on? Is your heart softened to the voice of God? It's not hard. It's as easy as falling in love. You just spend time. You spend time together. And it happens without any effort. Whatever you focus on, your heart 
will soften to. Whatever you neglect or don't focus on, your heart will be hardened to. I mean, there's, this truth is so profound. In your marriages, you know what happens in marriages? When a husband and wife start becoming hardened to one another, they start focusing on one another. They focus on everything else. Something gets on their skin and they start living two separate lives. And they're focusing on other things rather than each other. Do you know how you fall back in love? The feelings of love? Because you don't fall into love. Love is a choice. You make the deliberate choice to start focusing back on one another. And you might not, it might not be fun at first because your heart is hard. And you're going to see all the stuff that you didn't. I don't know why I'm going down this path, but someone needs to hear it, I guess. The reason why you fell in love with that person in the first place is because you focused on all the things that you loved about them. Start focusing on those things. You know, there's a, there's a thing that I talk about in marriage counseling, premarital classes. And it's, you take a four by six piece of paper and you put a big black, you put a, about a quarter inch black dot on it. And you hold up that piece of paper and you ask the people, what do you see? Every single person says that we see a black dot. No one ever says, I see a white piece of paper. See, the problem is, is when you fell in love, all you seen was that white sheet of piece of paper. There was no black dot. I can't, where's the black dot? I can't see a black dot. But now we just focus on the black dot in people's lives. And that can happen all over places. That can happen in your workplace. That can happen in churches. You start focusing on the wrong things and you become hardened to those things. Whatever you neglect, whatever you choose not to focus on, your heart will be hardened to. And you can't get around this. This is a spiritual law. And you cannot escape it. So ask yourself, Ask yourself this morning, are you ready to start moving higher? Are you ready to move higher in all spheres that make up your life? Then start putting your focus on what is higher. Where Jesus is seated as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, seated at the right hand of God. And you're seated with Him. Start softening your hearts towards God. Because when you do, you will harden your heart against sin and the law of sin and death that is in the flesh will have no opportunity to rob, to kill, and to destroy. And rivers of living waters will be freed by the law of the spirit of life to flow from the throne of grace. Again, it just sounds so simple, doesn't it? Doesn't, doesn't society's problems seem so big? And Chad, this just seems so simple. <laughs> it is. It is. 
But before we can see society and our culture change, it needs to change within those who call themselves believers. It needs to change within churches. Churches as wholes, church leadership need to stop being carnally minded. You know, even, even the way even the way that we measure success is carnal. What's your attendance? That's how we measure success. Instead of how many of your people are living out the kingdom? How many of your people are living out the kingdom realities? How many marriages are being transformed? How, how, how many, how many, thi- how, how is the community be changed, being changed? How are you going into the family? How are you going into government? How are you going into business? How are you going into um, education, media, arts, entertainment? How are you going into those things and transforming them into what is spiritually true? The church, and I believe, I believe with all my heart that the church is starting to take its place to start redeeming our culture, to start redeeming society, to start redeeming this earth. Because Jesus is coming back for a victorious church. The church is going to continually put the enemies of God under Christ's feet. You know how I know? Because the Bible tells me so. And I'm spiritually minded. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that uh, this stuff's so simple that a kidney gardener could understand it. But it's so powerful that it, that, it, that, it, that it will rock this world. And we thank you that we, as we take these steps to become more spiritual minded, to set our minds on things above, to start believing about ourselves what is true in the Spirit, We thank you that we will see the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. We will see the glory of God manifest in this place. We thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We thank you that the church is rising up, Lord, and charging the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. Heavenly Father, we thank you that... uh, We have patience. We have the patience of Christ. You are long-suffering, Lord. And we thank you that we can rest in hope, we can rest in patience because you have declared the end from the beginning. (laughs) We just love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part. A part redeeming this earth and we rest in Jesus Christ 
and in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.